wrong with me using my time how I want? You won't spend it right. What do you mean? Let's say your time is about 22 hours. I want to take your time, combine it with everyone else's time, and use it to watch something that will enrich society. What do you want to do with it? Do a hate watch. See? But my 22 hours is helping to employ the people who write and act in the thing I'm hate watching, not to mention the people behind the scenes who do the real work. The problem is, the hate watch you watch might be made in Japan. I'll watch an American one. We don't trust you. Why not? Because we're Democrats. I want a hate watch. Hi, welcome to It's Not a Hate Watch. Um, we are... Uh, I'm Alice, and I'm joined, as always, by Missy Information. And I'm Missy. Let Missy be Missy. I say, this is... We're on the Sorkin streak, and I did not predict at the beginning of all of this that I would be liking as many things as I've liked, how He's... much I've liked them. It's interesting. Look, Sorkin has a reputation, I think, especially because of his later work, but... He writes good stuff. He's an excellent writer, and 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 you and you. We are watching. We're we're covering season one of The West Wing this week. You know that. You know that because you saw the title on the title of the podcast. I never know why they 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 make a big deal out of introducing guests know, on podcasts right? when they when they fucking put the the guest name in the fucking description. But anyway, we're watching West Wing season one. This is peak Sorkin. I think season one, season two is the best Sorkin has ever been. I know. I send you a lot of notes on this because it was. All of the little moments that I loved, but I also specifically said that I can see why compared to Studio 60, Studio 60 gets the rhythm and the plot episode mm -hmm. beats and like there's always one comedy subplot involved, but then so it can balance the two serious issues that are mostly going on as like a, mm -hmm. as a nice, you know, sandwich in the show. It's really interesting, yeah, to how this is the... You said peak Sorkinism, but it also is where he must have felt like he got that rhythm and then tried to replicate that with other things or, yeah. or you know, put that into where yeah. it became a trope of his stuff. Yeah, and then like Studio 60, the, the problem is it makes sense when they're this serious and talking with importance when they're talking about the presidency and the like the federal government of the United States. It is not the same when you put that same level of seriousness and importance onto sketch comedy on a fictional late night show, right? Exactly. It's the same thing when we talk about Studio 60, where it's like things about acting, you know, are much more interesting to actors than it is to a general audience. Things about writing, it's much more interesting to people who are into writing. Like, there isn't as much that translates as to politics, which is something people feel on their everyday life. And it's also something that is covered in a lot of different ways that it's harder to avoid. You know, it's not all entertainment focuses on it. But it's so much a focus of the media, and so therefore it is this, you know, it is about our biggest celebrity by default within our nation, the president. Uh, and I, I love fictional takes on it. I love um, things that focus on the staff uh, or on Congress or anything getting shit done or not shit done. I was a big fan of Veep, which obviously was done much after and sort of mm -hmm. had the West Wing in its shadow and was yeah. the anti-West Wing in which yes. everyone's bumbling, everyone's corrupt, everyone's mm -hmm. awful, no one's likable, everyone is a fool, you know, mm -hmm. politics is a joke, everyone mm -hmm. knows it's a joke, it is all backroom dealing, it is all just cynical, it is everything that the West Wing doesn't want to be. Mm -hmm. And maybe now 
I'm in a mood where I really want to have that optimism again and I like it and it's exciting mm-hmm. or maybe it's just the writing. I don't know what it is. Um, we can talk about, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying your thesis because this is a lot of people's thesis, but your thesis on how the West Wing uh, destroyed America. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with, but, with the uh, brackets, that hashtag thanks Obama, but you know. Yeah, well, so, uh, so, so <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me speak on that real quick. So, so I, I've said that many times on this podcast. It is, it is what I believe. That said, when I watch the West Wing, I do get swept up in it. It's fucking captivating. It is, you buy into the dream that smart people making good decisions can save everything. Like, it's that score. That sweeping yeah. music just takes you away every time that Snuffy like, yes, Walden, baby. Snuffy good Walden. decisions are being made. Don't think I didn't clock the name Snuffy Walden. Mm-hmm. Uh so I don't know how we can break this down. I don't know if we sure. need to do episode by episode, if we need to talk about what? characters. Let's, it's let's hard talk about... because there's so much to cover in this. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so you watched all of season one. I did give you I a did. skip list, but I think you you immediately knew you needed to watch all of it. I um, think I didn't even finish the first episode. And I said, yeah. I think I'm going to watch all of them. And I needed to at least see episode two yeah. so that I can like judge if this quote mm-hmm. skip episode is as good as what I think it will be compared to the rest and it was yeah there's very little decline in quality in terms Mm -hmm. of episodes in here there are some that are I think just highlight more than others but none of them were like below a certain bar where it was like oof that episode I yeah, I tried yet. to. I, I tr- when I put that together, it was hard. I will say, I was just trying to keep out, kick out ones that seemed less memorable than the others, just in the mm-hmm, service of mm-hmm. if you didn't like this, I didn't want to make you watch, you know, twenty two full forty five minute shows. Yes. But but yeah, um, why don't we go through and talk about the characters? Okay. So you've got, and this is something I noticed. Uh, so I, I I rewatched the last the season finale. Basically, when you said you were going to start watching it, I, I watched it about the same time. So we were I was a little ahead of you. Um, the thing I realized watching this uh, in the context of this podcast is the White House senior staff are a theater crew. That's what they do. They are a theater crew. Oh my God! Wait, they are put we up... applying that the White House is for theater kids? Yeah. Onto well, this? well. I think that's why this works so well. They're solving problems. They know they have things they have to do. They're teaching. They're teaching the president lines. Um, something something goes wrong. They have to go like you know s- someone's costume gets ruined. They have to go drive and get a new costume for them. Like like they're they're problem solving and they're they're doing their duties. And it felt like, very much watching this. I was like, oh, this is why I think Sorkin took to this so well. In addition to like being like a policy wonk, this is theater. This is just like this is just a theater crew. And I mean, I, I'm even now applying tropes into it. So, like, you obviously have then Jed Bartlett and mm-hmm. his wife as yep. the, the theater legendaries, the main people who will always be on there. But they, mm-hmm. you know, they love each other, but they still have some slight tensions because maybe their approaches to acting are different. And, you mm-hmm. know, it always comes to a head on there. Um, and then you have people like Allison Janney would be another one of the actresses who'd be the person who is great at acting, but doesn't know anything about anything else off stage. Uh, as the reoccurring joke for her is that she's the communication director and frequently doesn't know yes. uh, the finer points of any uh, policy issue. The census. What is it? What is that? The census. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I yeah, and then of course everyone he, that, had, yeah, that was but... that wasn't that wasn't one of the times where he says like, do you, do you, do you know what opposition research is? Of course I do. I know. Of course I do. I'm a political a political operative. Opposition research is da 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 da. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's really yeah. And then of course everyone else would be various uh, technicians and everything. Where you're right, they know that their job is mostly thankless. Every once in a while, they might get credit for it. Uh, something they do gets highlighted, and you know. Uh, Things that are interested in those types of people, they'll get interviews with, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not highlighted on MSNBC. It's on, you know, mm-hmm. C-SPAN 2, you know, uh, in the afternoon or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, so President Bartlett, he is interesting. Martin Sheen. Yep. Um, I like the fact that the later parts of the season, which we I should point out, um, I just we just finished watching this not too long ago. We basically turned around final episode and then set up the recording studio. So this is all very fresh. Um, but I like that they pointed out um, in the episode let, uh, Bartlett v Bartlett uh, that he's he was very like trying to please everyone and thus mm-hmm. pleasing no one. Yep. And it is interesting how that plays into the first season because I was trying to figure out his politics and I was wondering, oh, is it something where we're going to see it being more centrist because they're just trying, like showrunner-wise, trying not to offend anyone or everything? But then mm-hmm. we see toward the end of the season, oh no, he starts to double down on making actual decisions and mm-hmm. committing to different projects and things like that, which is like, oh, yeah. great, okay. Um, I think he's definitely, I love his sense of humor. Um, I think that he uh, is a good listener Uh, He's definitely not bullheaded, which I think listening is actually a very good leadership skill and it's probably one Mm -hmm. of the best leadership skills. Um, He knows what he is an expert on and what he isn't an expert on and so has tried to surround himself with the best people, which is why he also goes to the bat for them a lot when Mm -hmm. other people are basically like, oh, they should do it. Like the first episode is them all talking about how they're going to drop Josh. Um, yep. who went on and uh, basically got nagged uh, into uh, talking about uh, what, what was the, it's, that was from the first episode what was the specific talking point uh, that he said that got him in trouble was it school vouchers was it something it was something like that I don't think it was school vouchers no. it was it's, it was something um yeah he's he's basically on one of those like Sunday morning political talk shows and he says something out of line. And everyone's like, "Oh, is is Josh gonna get fired?" Um, you you have to forget. So so so, listener, I've I've seen, I've I've watched this show obsessively, especially the first two seasons. I I kept thinking of things that were that I thought Missy was gonna run into, and they're all in season two. So, oh my word, that's really funny. Yeah, I was trying some of the stuff that you asked about was on there. Because the one thing that did come back um, was uh, the fact that uh, he used his the jacket, President Bartlett's okay. jacket. Uh, Sheldon yeah. was, of course, on the final episode. They basically asked, "Should we, should we make that a part of his right. uh, his presentation?" And they're like, "No, well, it's going to look too much." The big, the big thing for him is that he puts his jacket on weird. If you watch the show, he does do it in the background, but it becomes a big plot point. It becomes a thing. It becomes very noticeable in the last episode of season two. Um, I was going to say now is that because it's related to the MS of President Bartlett and it's No, it's it's actually because when Martin Sheen was a baby, um he his one of his arms, I think his left arm was injured and he can't lift it above his head. And oh. so in in actually this is how Martin Sheen just puts his jacket on in real life. In real life, in order to put his jacket on, he kind of like flips it up behind him so he doesn't have to lift his left arm and it it, it looks very dramatic when you see it. Got it. So it's just them calling out what is happening in the background and it's like well mm-hmm. we'll make it yeah. a plot point yeah um, so actually actually fun fact did you know that in after the pilot of the show 
in the pilot of the show, it was intended for the president to not be a series regular. And in fact, maybe only appear once a season. Yes, I did know that, in fact. Um, I don't know what made them change that decision. But they I hired do... Martin Sheen and like, fucking look at him? Oh, well, I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's absolutely <laughs> fair. Um, but, you know, because it, it did seem like he was integrated pretty early on. I was surprised that the first lady didn't come in until episode mm-hmm. 11. So yep. I don't know if that's something where, because they didn't have the president planned, they weren't really looking at hiring a Flotus and then eventually had to do it or whatever. I really enjoyed her presence in the series. Yes, and Stop hope Channing, we get incredible. more from her in the second oh, series. Oh, yes, you do. You, you, you definitely get you get a lot of her in the second season, and she she remains pretty 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 throughout there's an incredible episode in season four at towards the end of season four where basically like a bunch of the women just end up in a room getting drunk and it's incredible oh boy well now that you told me that there's a drunk woman episode i'm gonna have to keep watching uh through seasons yes. uh, uh three and four uh off record yes. at which uh, point the show ends and, and and no more has been made yeah oh yes as as you say <laughs> now um Oh, I'm going to have to watch the live debate episode from the 2006 presidential campaign that they did. Oh, God. I've, I've never watched that. Um, okay. You don't want to so, see so, Alan Alda and Jimmy Smith's awkwardly sweating on camera? And do you know they did it twice? They did it for the West Coast, too. Oh, they. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Of course they that fucking didn't did. Know that. Of course they did. Of course <laughs> they did. Studio 60 um, would have a subplot about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about President Bartlett. Anything more to say about President Bartlett? I like. I I love the character. I think he is like. He's also like a father to all of the people on the senior staff. We yes. see that. We see that a lot. He he cares about people. He's the kind of person who, um, remembers things and can 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 bring out like something personal about someone in a in a really convenient way in like a really thoughtful way. Yes. That's he's very thoughtful of his staff too i mean i talked about him going mm-hmm. to the bat but it's not just because it's like oh if he defends them it's defending him it is because mm-hmm. he cares about their personal lives yeah. and their yeah. family and everything like that mm-hmm. and in fact most of the context that we see him in is either policy or you know giving advice to people you know whether they want mm-hmm. it or not on a, a more personal related problem on there Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. I enjoy him. I, he's, he seems like a, a good enough guy, if not from his, you know, time. Uh, you know, the, it, some of the issues that, of course, got brought up were uh, relevant specifically to then, like don't ask, don't tell, uh, which is no longer a policy. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the issues like school vouchers um, or uh, school vouchers or um, campaign finance reform, keeping issues still today. Mm-hmm. So those things, it's like, oh, oof, still 25 years later, we're having to deal with uh, heel dragging yeah. on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Mrs. Landingham, his his assistant, his secretary. Oh my God, I love her. I love her so much. She's so funny. She's the best. Mm-hmm. I know her from that famous episode of Scrubs in which, spoiler alert, she dies, and it's very sad, but she's very funny in that too, accepting her death. Um, so I look forward to getting as much of her as possible. Um, I will not. I I, I know uh, that she uh, does not appear after season two. So I look forward to getting just you know another season's worth of of her. She goes out. She she has one of the best exits of, of, of a character in a show. She's she's that like I keep I, I I'm trying not to build it up too much, but really see, the season two finale. Two Cathedrals is arguably the best episode of television ever made. So, yeah. 
Okay, boy, how? I mean, I know people really like it. So if you're telling me uh, that it's one of the best seasons of television ever made, or uh, sorry, episode specifically, if not the best, I do look forward to it. I don't. Uh, I don't think well, sta- we might as well play think... our or show our hand now and saying that we are going to cover season two on the podcast. We talked about Mrs. Landingham. Let's talk about Charlie. Charlie. Uh, Charlie's the body man for for the president. He gets hired in one of the early episodes. Yes, and dates the president's daughter, which of course makes me think of the ABC fam TV family movie, which is not a ABC family movie, but when it was on ABC and they made movies for families. My date with the president's daughter. I can't remember anything else about it, but that was just something that existed, and I know that I at some point saw. My understanding is that that movie was very formative for a lot of people who are attracted to women, specifically the president's daughter, and that wears a dress at some point. I've heard about this on, like, three different podcasts now. Oh, interesting. So I, I, I am too old. I, I miss that, unfortunately, because I'm, I'm, I'm ancient, but, but yeah. Um, that one was so, not clearly as formative to me, just the title sure. was. Sure. So um, you've got... Um, Elizabeth Moss, a very young Elizabeth Moss as Zoe, the president's daughter. You've got Dulé Hill as Charlie, uh, the, the the gentleman who's hired to be the president's body man, which is a real position. It's a real role. I loved both of them. I thought mm-hmm. they had really good chemistry. I think their storyline is interesting in the fact that he is obviously very close to the president and is also trying to date his daughter and she is trying to gain her independence from her father the president and try and live you know with some independence Mm -hmm. but then the reality of secret service and death threats and a lot of different things spill into their plot line that ends up bleeding into the last episode that i didn't expect it was going to go where it went but i Mm -hmm. really younger elizabeth moss um really is charming she is so fantastic in this um i really like the relationship between her and her father Mm -hmm. and the the fact that he's willing to admit when he's wrong but also like communicate where he's coming from in his things and she's also able to acknowledge where yeah he ended up being right and you know they find compromise a lot and it sort of plays out much similar to his relationship with people in congress and his administration and all that it's sort of interesting how conflict resolution is is one of his skills as well yeah no totally absolutely and and i really like the i really like the um the friendship and 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 like um i guess co-workership between charlie and mrs landingham that builds yes. um you also see charlie start to get to know the other senior staff leo especially but really everyone like you get little moments where they get paired up with 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 charlie um just a just a really great character i think dulay hill is incredible mm-hmm. in this role like they, like to on the page it seems like maybe they wouldn't be giving him a lot to do but i feel like he makes his presence known in every scene without like stealing focus or anything yes and that's set up very early when uh he's the one to speak up because they're trying to figure out where the president's glasses are and he, mm-hmm. he yeah, he's like and the president's like who is this person what's he doing here what what is he oh it's like you know the person interviewing to be your um uh body man and he's like well mm-hmm. you were just saying you read the report in your study and it's like, what's that? Well, what's that got to do with anything? What's what's what are you what are you talking up for? And then they're like, uh, will you go check the president's study? His glasses will probably be underneath a stack of papers. That's a report. And then they come back, and that's exactly where his glasses were. So the president apologizes, and it's like, welcome to the team. 
it's very exciting for him. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, he, I, I'm remember, I know Dilly from Psych, and so I'm just mm-hmm. used to his personality somewhat already. Um, I didn't watch Psych regularly, but my brother watched it a lot growing up. So when I saw him, I'm like, wait a minute, that's mm-hmm. Gus, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. I know who this is. Um, but I thought in this he was also I don't want to use the word charming because I've already used it but he is like he no he, is, he's, he's charismatic yeah it, it just he really pops on the screen to, um, I thought the the storyline where they integrated um, or basically where the president integrates something that he brings up into his speech uh, which mm-hmm. happens to be in the very last episode yep. is such a nice threading of his plot line where he's mm-hmm. not just being taken as a not like a servant sort of position where it's like you know mm-hmm. it's sort of a fetch boy or whatever kind of thing but a person who's respected as a part of the team and as a part of you know influence that the president recognizes uh he he needs and i and i enjoy that it's it's just nice it's nice to see their relationship grow and that it isn't just like oh the everyone has a bad relationship or there's a lot of contention between the mm-hmm. president and her dumb boyfriend or whatever oh yeah you know, totally we all hate blah 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 it's like no everyone does try to like everyone like uh yeah. except for the the reoccurring uh slight and uh antagonists we have throughout the series Sure. Yeah, but it's like it's like everyone who works here is like a family. They care yes. about one another. Yes. Um, they're friends. They're friendly. Um, yeah. And then the thing with the thing in the last episode with Charlie is especially a good example of Sorkin doing the thing of like when when this stuff is good, it is magic, and it's it's unlike anything else. Like he said, like Josh says to Charlie, like or Charlie says to Josh, you know, um, it never gets old, does it? The idea that he's giving an idea to the president, the president speaking about it on stage. It's very similar to in Sports Night, the idea of Jeremy getting the call, or I feel like I feel like this is also a running theme in Studio 60, when it's like, when it's good, it's incredible yes. sort of thing. Oh, you get a, it's your first time getting a sketch on the air, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. It is, it is people being good at their jobs is the best achievement that you can do. Sorkin, that yeah. is very the, the much smartest in people yeah. doing the, doing doing incredible incredible work together. That is the Sorkin dream, hundred um, percent. Okay, so we talked about Charlie. We talked about um, let's go to let's go down to the senior staff. Let's go to mm-hmm. let's go to Leo, the chief of staff, yeah. um, and also and also Margaret is the secretary, who's also incredible. But all the secretary, all the assistants are incredible. But um, Leo's Leo's a little more a little more grizzled. He's a little more the um, he's a little more the 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 stern bad cop. I would yes. say of the staff. Oh, absolutely. Well, because he's the one that has to make sure that everyone's shit is in gear. Because he needs to be yep. able to go to any one of them at any single moment to grab something to bring to the president uh, if he needs it. Mm-hmm. And so he's very much yeah the um, disciplinarian in the staff. But uh, he, I don't think he's ever. I don't remember him crossing a line too much, or if he does, he pretty much, like, you know, uh, apologizes if it's necessary. Um, But, yeah, he has to come in, and uh, I love craggly old veteran character. You know what I mean? Where it's just, uh, my job is to be the one that's seen the shit before, and Mm -hmm. be like, you punks, you think you know everything. Like, let me tell you what this is. I found it interesting in relationship to him, because there's the moment where um, he stands up to Jed, in the Let Jed Be Jed episode, where he's basically Mm -hmm. like, you're pussyfooting around because you're worried about polls and, like, winning your uh, re-election. 
versus actually doing something to make your reelection justifiable, you know, in, in essence. And um, when he, you know, uh, stands up to him, um, I just really felt like it was an interesting relationship that he asked Jed to run and like he's the one that put it in there. It's like, oh, so this isn't something that Bartlett has always been d- dreaming of or no. it's like, oh, this is bad. It's not a calculated sort of where we yeah. see in a lot of uh, shows. And in reality, the maneuvering that it takes to get into that spot, it is the more of like you know, his, if asked, I will serve, you know, sort of attitude yeah, yeah. to, he, to he, it. He is, he is, he did not have political aspirations of becoming the president. I yeah. think he would have been fine being the governor of Wisconsin forever. Exactly. Um, and, 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 and it really is Leo who's pushing him to do this. And, and like him and Leo go way back. That gets explored a lot more in the, in the, in the, in season two, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of flashbacks to the original campaign, the original Bartlett presidential campaign, which is incredible. And then, and then Iowa app. Is there an Iowa app? There's a lot of Iowa. I I can't remember this specifically in Iowa app. I will say though that. Yep. Yep. First (laughs) in the nation. It sucks. Um, seasons, season three is also actually, yeah, see, in season three. Well, okay, I'm not gonna say anymore because these these are getting spoilers. Yes, I'm not gonna say anymore. I'm not gonna say anymore. Um, but but we get campaigning. We get we we get we get campaigning. Leo Leo is Leo is also just goes way back. He I like that he is like Sorkin's really good at doing the thing where it's, the guy's not just always a tight ass. He also is showing vulnerability. Mm-hmm. He's showing that he cares. It's not just all stick. There's a little bit of like you know carrot or, or stuff. Um, you called out a line in the last um, in the last episode where he's talking to Josh, and Josh tries to go for a hug. Yes, yes, exactly. And he says, uh, "What are you doing?" It looked like you were trying to give me a hug. He's like, "Oh, you misread that situation, or you very much misread that." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. is like, "Ugh, pissed off." And like, he just he cares for his staff by trying to make sure that they know the stakes of what they're doing at all times too Mm -hmm. he's the one that a lot of time comes in and is like this is the risk of if we don't get this right so yeah Mm -hmm. actually it is our job to be this serious about it and i'm sorry that you think you know uh we're not being serious enough or you know all these like he's also one of the people that is a good like whip within uh congress as well like he has a good relationship Mm -hmm. with people in congress it seems like from both sides this this is the era where you could tell that people will still talk people were were still talking to each other in politics uh Mm -hmm. because it was just like democrats and republicans being together and they were trying to find compromise within this show yeah a dream a dream of people voting across party lines right yeah exactly a centrist dream on there um and um it was a lot of times it's a lot of times it was always like congress versus the executive stuff and it would be like well mm-hmm. because both sides are lockstep in this we see that with the fec chair nomination where two of them come up and you know well it's tradition that the republicans pick they hand it to the president he then turns in the nominations and it's one democrat and it's one republican and da 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 da, da. and mm-hmm. they're like well why don't we pick our own nominees again that comes back to lit Bartlett v. Bartlett. I'm sorry, it's a, I keep referencing it, but it's one of my favorite episodes within this season just because uh, it kind of 
is weirdly accumulation of a lot of the tension that we've seen within the different uh, political spheres that have existed within it there. But yeah, he's great. I, I really enjoy him. Uh, his alcoholism and his mm-hmm. uh, divorce his, he, from he, his wife is he, also he's going to, interesting. His poker, his, he, he's going to the poker game, right? Yes, the poker game, um, which is uh, several senior members of the White House and uh, the various departments um, who all come meet uh, and have a, quote, card game, and it's actually an AA meeting so that they can all meet somewhere that is confidential and private and would mm-hmm. no one would question why they are meeting yep. and those specific people are meeting at that time at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's move down the list. We, we talked about Leo. Next, we have to talk about his deputy chief of staff, Josh Lyman, and, oh, and, yes. his, and his assistant, Donatella Moss, the best character in the show, the best character in television. Oh, my God. I love Donna so much. He yeah, gives her I, I, I kept, all the I kept, best lines. I kept saying this, and you were, like, a little skeptical at first, and then by the end of the season, you were on board. I don't think I was that skeptical. It was just more of like, I haven't seen much of Donna yet. And so I'm like, I'm yeah. sure she's great. But like, you know, I'm only getting little doses. And then it kept clicking and we see her more. But the two the two handers they have, where it's yep. just like a minute, not even between the two of them. And it's just like, and he does a lot of the finishing ends of sentence jokes with them. Yep. That, or he yep. gets a lot of that sort of misunderstanding. So it's mm-hmm. just like real classic vaudevillian, mm-hmm. like you know, misdirects in the communication. I, I really enjoyed the pitter patter mm-hmm. between them. Uh, Josh is interesting, sort of feeling, um, I'm not sure in terms of how much he's like his character, Danny in studio 60. Oh, there, no, he's not, he's not Danny in studio 60. He, he is, he is more the Matt Albee. I think of that's of, of what I show. was about yeah. to just say is that he actually seems like the Matt Albee in this situation. And maybe yeah. more of Rob Lowe is a bit more of the Danny. Of I, I, I actually crew. think, I think, I think Danny is, doesn't map e- e- equally well. He's that's, kind of yeah, Rob Lowe. He's true. kind of Toby. He's kind of Leo. That's a bit, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but Josh feels like, the lead character in a lot of times. Like, he isn't the lead character. It is an ensemble. But I think there's a version of this show that would focus solely on Josh. Donna Absolutely. exists very much as the audience surrogate a lot of times. She's asking him, why don't I get my money back from the budget surplus? You know, why don't we? Why doesn't Congress just do X? And then he's explaining to her as, like, a Civics 101 lesson. Um, but she can also give it back to him because she knows a lot and she's, and she's incredible. Yeah. Most of the times that I sent, like, direct quotes or, like, lines of dialogue that was more than just one. One quote was from Donna and Josh. Just something that they said the back and forth where I'm like, this is Sorkin comedy. This is classic sitcom, classic comedy theater. It's mm-hmm. it's because it's 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 why I again the theater kid of it all, if we're getting back into that part of it, the lines of it just felt very much like that. You know, and the the scenes very much felt like they played out in a lot of like, you know, ways that a play scene would do and they all end real clean it's there's not a lot of like loose ends or bleeding uh too mm-hmm. much within it and everything comes back very neatly tight in that episode we might have some continuing threads but you always resolve the things that you set out to do in the first part of it um and i like that because it does make it be able to make each episode more memorable because you do have 
something. It's not like, oh, well, I know for like three episodes this thing was playing out and I don't remember the order of it, but like it's basically they've just been doing the same thing for like, you know, for a while. Um, yeah, who uh, I think that Josh um, is supposed to be the person who is an idealist or ideologist, mm-hmm. I don't really say, but he's the person who is like the moral values and his morals are what yep. center him and he's yeah. it's always an ethical issue. And mm-hmm. so his policy stances never come from a, this is where we are best positioned to be able to blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah stuff. He's he's a realist in a lot of ways, but he'll also like push back and that's the one they'll be like, we'll get mm-hmm. it done. It will happen, you know? And everyone's like, how, how? He's like, I don't know. We're just going to do it. It'll be great. Um, yeah. Which I like, I like that character. And I really think that he's, um, I think it's interesting. I love, oh my God, I love his relationship with uh, Joey, I love Marlene. Oh Matlin. yeah, jo- Joey, Joey oh, Lucas, and her God. played by Marty Matlin, and then her interpreter Kenny, who, who I don't know the actor's name, but he's also incredible. Um, the misunderstanding when they first show up, and he's like, "Oh, I thought you'd be a man," and she's like, "Well, I don't know what you were thinking, but yeah, I'm, most people I'm do." Them. Yeah, um, and just oh my God, she's from California and is helping run a campaign, and then they basically uh, say that you should be the one running for this. Uh, spot, not the you know the empty suit, quote unquote, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was r- great. Uh, we see her reoccurring a couple of times too. Um, uh, in that uh, she is then dating. Uh, I never forget. Is he a mega donor person? Something like that. So, yeah. yeah, or a political operative. I can't remember. But he's basically like pushing because of 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 polling on stuff where it's like uh, this issue is a non-starter. I think it was with the don't ask, don't tell. Um, policy on it, um, and she's you know helping out <gasps> the campaign because we're <gasps> in California. What do you? What was that about? I'm I'm, I'm laughing because I've, I've been watching For All Mankind, and they also had a don't ask, don't tell. Plot. Oh yes, I got Alice in a rare, in a rare. We're not going to cover it on the pod. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not that rare. It's, well, that's true. It's rarer that I I get to introduce something to you like that. But yes, yeah. you started watching For All Mankind after I had. Uh, all I had to say was. Uh, lesbian astronauts we kind of got you in at that point yeah, I mean, and then yeah. you, it kept you uh uh suckered in from there um, yeah but also a don't ask don't tell plot yes exactly a don't ask don't tell plot uh and so you can't escape it um which that i did have some interesting threads into it you know um there's a moment when they're talking about it the general um played by john amos um comes in and he's like, well, you know what? I also agree with you all that I don't think that don't ask, don't tell, or I, I think that it would be disruptive to incorporate gays act, uh, openly in the military. Um, mm-hmm. And I also know that 50 years ago, white people said the same thing about me and other black people mm-hmm. to be yeah. in the military. And so mm-hmm. why am I, you know, why are we talking about this as if we can't mm-hmm. be in the wrong, you know, on there? Um, and again, idealism there, Sorkinism of being like inspirational, talking everything, you know, you can talk your way out of it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. And uh, otherwise I think, um, Josh also like acts as a good comedic foil. And I think a lot of that is Bradley Whitford is very yeah. funny. He, he, mm-hmm. his line delivery is impeccable. He's dripping with sarcasm. And I love, I, I do love a sarcastic character who isn't like, in the end, a total asshole or mean-spirited, and mm-hmm. can, especially because he's put in his place a lot if he is, um, because no one else in the White House staff is going to take his shit. <laughs> because, you mm-hmm. know, it's more of, like, your little brother who's annoying kind of energy than it is of, like, yeah. you know, anything that comes from malicious intent. But, yeah, he's just fun. I just, I really, 
I'm really enjoying him. Yeah, he, yeah. So this this was his breakout role. He he had been acting for a long time prior to this, but this was really how he was well like became known. And I honestly think this is the best role he's ever been in. I mean, it's it, I think it's hard to top the West Wing, but he's been chasing like he plays a version of this character a lot. Like he plays a he literally plays a character. He plays basically the exact same character in a Parks and Rec episode, which is basically just a West Wing love letter. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think he I think he's really good. I think that his like you said, his he brings a levity to it that like Toby is funny, um, Sam Seaborn, um, um, Rob Lowe is funny, President's funny, obviously, but mm-hmm. like no one's as, no one's as funny as Josh, and especially Josh and Donna together. They all have very dry comedy, which he has wet comedy. You need a bit yeah. of wet comedy in oh, there oh, oh. to make it great. So spe- speaking of wet comedy, let's move on to C.J. Craig, the press secretary oh as played by God. Allison Janney. I love C.J. I love Allison Janney. Oh, yeah, my incredible. God. Fucking She's incredible. Great. Uh, we, I talked a bit about it earlier. I love the fact that she is so good with her job and their relationship with the press, but mm-hmm. she just keeps running into things where she's like, I don't know about this. I, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. The census was such a great bit to me because I do understand the census. And so it's just funny to think about, oh, wait a minute. Someone in the White House doesn't know about, how would they not? But then again, it is a weird thing. It is a really weird thing if you really yeah. like think about all the different parts of it. And I also don't mm-hmm. know if like, who all knows about what the census is or not. Like, yeah, it is a weird, like, I just really, it made me question, you know, just all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. So, 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 um, so, wait, sorry, about the census real quick. Fun story. The census happens every 10 years, right? Yeah. The census happened in 2000 when this show was airing. And so it was super timely for it. And I actually think the combination of the 2000 census plus this show is why you think about the census at all. Oh, interesting. Well, I I was like a little government obsessed kid growing sure, up. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. But I was a homeschooler, and so I had nothing else to do. Um, yeah, I I, and I just thought that was a great runner. I so mm-hmm. Allison Janney can do anything. The mm-hmm. amount of physical bits they give her to do, like oh, let's give her like cotton stuffed in her cheek and have her say "woo canal," "woo canal," "woo canal," like it just was. <laughs> After presidential briefing, I can't, we have to get her at it. I cannot hear her say presidential briefing any longer. Um, <laughs> I love love her relationship with Daniel. Holy crap, those two are so funny and, like, effervescent and, like, it's hot. I want to see those two get together and just, um, they're, they're at times, uh, antagonistic, uh, relationship just Mm -hmm. by the nature of their jobs. Um, but the fact that they still just, like, obviously personally have admiration. I love how, uh, Toby, or I keep wanting to say Toby, uh, I love how um, Daniel always is just like, oh, you do like me. Oh, you do love me. Oh, you do like these things. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yes, when it's Danny, obvious that yeah. she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, 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 her, and her and Timothy Busfield have incredible chemistry. They have incredible chemistry. I, I Timothy Busfield would be interesting if he was just there with Alice and Janney. And Alice and Janney would obviously have a lot to do without it. But mm-hmm. that just adds a layer to her character where I don't mm-hmm. normally care about that many will they, won't they's. But these two, I'm like, I want these two to get together. Like, they would be mm-hmm. an incredible couple. Like, it's just funny that their job is what's the biggest gulf between them. Like, personality-wise, yeah. they would be together in a heartbeat if it weren't for mm-hmm. the fact that uh, it's they just mm-hmm. are, like, on opposite sides of a fence. 
Yeah. CJ, CJ continues to get incredible material throughout the show. I can guarantee you. she's She gets the funniest stuff, but she's also gets some really good storylines, especially in season two. Um, let's talk about let's the jackal. Communications. Oh, no. We're, no, no well, oh, oh, we got to talk about the jackal. We got to talk about the jackal. Yes. So you saw CJ do the jackal. She did the jackal. You talking to me during the jackal? You did the jackal. I um I heard yeah. of this bit infamously before. I hadn't ever seen it. Yeah, comedy bang bang. They talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They talked about it on there. Uh, I thought it was funny. It it's it just is like a weird. It's such yes. a weird specific. And like Aaron Sorkin, I love specifics, and I'm only familiar with the song in the context of this bit. I think I had, like, looked it up once before. Did I... Has she actually performed it herself? Like, she sung the Jackal they, somewhere? They, no, they just reference it. Any any reference to it is a reference to the West Wing, basically. Okay. Um, they'll make lots of jokes about her doing it. Like, I sent you, I sent you, a, um, Alison Janney appeared at the White House press briefing in 2016 uh, under the Obama administration and, and did a bunch of West Wing callbacks, um, including yeah, I'll be doing Rue the Jackal at my, in my office. At, yes. at 5 p.m. Um, I, I, I've definitely seen, like, there's definitely been criticism of the Jackal because it's like, it is a white woman sort of doing um, beat poetry of a of a black woman's narrative and, and she's describing what is presumably a black man. Um, I, th- I, I definitely see that and at the same time I think it is, it is so light. It is the... the 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 contrast between her and the material is really the thing that sells it and i think if anything is just making her look ridiculous as compared to her speaking down to 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 black people but i just want to acknowledge that that people have people have issue people have issue and and they laugh at the jackal in a different way and i like like we hear that on this show but yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, yes, and I both. I liked it because it was like, oh wow, I can't believe this is happening. But also, mm-hmm. it, it. Here's the other thing: is in the context of the show, this is exactly something that a white woman would do as a bit mm-hmm. for a party, and she's not doing it in the character. Like she's not putting any effect on. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the other thing too: is that it's not like she's trying to be like, oh, I'm the character within this. It's just like yeah, she's not doing. I just she's like lip-syncing. this song. She's not doing so the black li- voice. Yeah, I just. I'm just lip syncing, and I like this song. Um, mm-hmm on there but yeah i'd so i'd seen it uh before but out of context and getting it back in the context of knowing who cj is and it wasn't just oh here's alice and janney doing something clearly you know a weird bit mm-hmm. from i don't know why um, yeah but yeah uh it, cj s tier character great mm-hmm. yes okay so let's move over to the communications department we have toby who is toby. the director of communications yes i like Played by toby. richard schiff Yes, Richard Schiff. I like him a lot. His dry humor is great. Uh, I like how it gets him in trouble, but it's also because he is very principled and he is very much like, he's also very much a person at his core like Josh, who cares deeply about his beliefs, um, but is more, you know, thinks it's a different way about it and also has to be, so he thinks he has to be the level-headed one on the staff as sort of the way mm-hmm. to reassure everyone and is always yes. like we got the votes we got the numbers when you stop worrying about it hey don't mm-hmm. celebrate before we got the votes before we got the numbers you know everything mm-hmm. like that he, he he's he's the hard edge he's the closer he's he's the one who's been in the shit yes. who, who really is the tight ass on the staff he sees he sees himself in that way but it is like him and josh are like they're like brothers they're like partners mm-hmm. in, in getting stuff done yeah it's it's it is sort of that good cop bad cop 
relationship, but they're both working, you mm-hmm. know, in in tandem on there. Uh, I yeah, he's I think he's very funny as well, um, in in a very different way. Um, they just the way that he. The, the way that he is always like someone will say something and then he'll just say something under his breath and now the other characters are gonna be like what <laughs> and, and he'll be like I'm just saying and then you know put, yeah. he, he is the one to bring up a lot of of the when everything is figured out it's like the have we thought about this point of view I'm gonna keep bringing up this thing because we haven't addressed this thing um yeah I think his performance is uh, by Richard Schiff is great yeah, and he gets again. I, I'm just teeing up season two. He mm-hmm. gets a really good p- part in season two. I I love what he does in season two, especially. I thought um, the the episode with the death penalty, where um, he uh, is talking with his rabbi about it, is very interesting. Um, I thought uh, that uh, you know, I mean, just having a a Jewish character and having that be part of their narrative um, mm-hmm. is always good and it's not used as a joke ever um, which I also appreciate because it's very easy that they could have just made like oh let's just give him some you know mm-hmm. uh, jokes about his faith in there just because those are some you know cheap laughs or easy laughs and no yeah, it's it, like very, taken very everyone's faith is taken very seriously which which I mm-hmm. appreciate this in a stance of it is it isn't uh trying to side on one side or the other but it also is willing to stand up to the moral hypocrites where like the first episode is basically about them standing up to um a sort of focus on the family sort of group that wants them to uh to denounce um uh or they want it's part of the the apology that uh josh is giving they basically want concessions and they basically want you know abstinence only and all these other things Mm -hmm. And they're basically like, well, you're not going to get, and the president comes in and he's like, well, you're not going to get any concessions uh, and you all are assholes and you can get on out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we'll threaten to do stuff. It's like, you were going to do this stuff anyways, like whether we gave you it or not. Um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, sorry, exited number that on that. I mean, I will just say, I Sorkin, Judaism is a theme. Sorkin is, Sorkin is um, Jewish as well. Like, he was born into a Jewish family. I don't know if he believes it still or not, but he takes, like, there's a through line of, of Judaism in all of his shows. Like, you saw that very much in Studio 60. Um, we didn't get to it, but in Sports Night, there's an episode that basically revolves around them having a Passover ceremony in the studio oh, interesting. Uh, well, like in the in, in the, it, like the staff has a Passover ceremony and yeah it's it I, I'm glad that he is able to express that there's there's a lot more conversation around religion in, in the in the show as it continues on um Jed having faith um but but also being you know socially liberal which puts you at, at odds with with often um certain aspects of faith and that plays a big part in the show yeah, and that also, you know, in the in the episode about the death penalty, which oh, it's devastating, um, and he's basically like, I'm the president, I can you know talk to the Pope, and so you know the fact that he's Catholic, which used to be an issue, you know, I'm sure, and now probably still is another issue again, um, on there and everything, um, uh, for other reasons, but it is just uh, that part of it, and and having it just be in an episode about you know what does the bible say on this like the bible says a lot of things about a lot of different things so it's pretty easy for us to pick and choose what we want to believe on there uh, you know which is a similar sort of confrontation that uh, harriet hayes had when she was asked about gay marriage and she basically mm-hmm. like, well, the bible says a lot of things about things and you know who am i to judge any of these kind of stuff but uh, mm-hmm. just to, to quickly speak about it because it does go back to some of the the things about judd and not always getting it right is um he could basically like 
stay the execution um, of a person that uh, killed two people um, uh, and um, it is basically uh, him saying well you know is the death penalty right it's the law you know but is it the law does it make it right is it you know all those kinds of things and he's sitting there uh talking with uh the uh, uh priest that ran uh, or the priest that knew him growing up and stuff basically um and uh he's just chatting with him about it and uh i i was texting you when you're saying oh he's using the analogy of the um of the person in a flood who's basically like gets a boat and all these things sent to him. He's like, oh, I have God. I don't need, you know, these things. And he drowns and he's like, God's like, I sent you all these things. How come you didn't use them? And then at the end of the analogy, he gets handed a piece of paper that is the um, note saying that the person was executed. And I was like, oh my God, it already happened. And none of this, none of this mattered. Like, you're not going to get your moment. It's it. I'm like, whoa, Sorkin, shit. Gotcha. Shit, gotcha. got me, you know. Got, got you again. Yeah, not a moment of, of, uh, of you know, your happy ending mm-hmm. on there. And I, I liked that. I liked seeing the president have to deal with, you know, where his personal morals and the law and the powers of the president go through. Like, you know, he's the ability to get the Pope on the phone if he wants. And yet he can't, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't feel like he can stay the execution of this person, you know, on there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, and let's just, I want to get to the episodes that you liked, like the like the one with the death penalty, but let's let's finish up with the characters. Um, very quickly, Sam Seaborn, played by Rob Lowe, the assistant communications director. Rob Lowe is a very charming man. Oh my God, he's so charming. He's, uh, he's so funny that... I, I love that in the first episode, it basically rounds the foil of him having accidentally, accidentally slept with a call girl um, or a person he didn't know who was a call girl for the main job. And they had a classic beeper switching. I was a little worried about the datedness in the first episode when it had a beeper switch as a main plot point. Um, but that did not pan out because mostly it's just talking about the issues. Um and, uh, and in fact, a tech issue uh, to bring one back later that came back was um, we didn't talk about Leo's secretary all that much, but I love how um, Margaret, Margaret, yeah, she keeps coming in with these issues that sort of just seem background, but are great for bits about real office life stuff that happens, mm-hmm. uh, including one where someone replies all to an email about her um, uh, the raisin muffins and them yes. being mislabeled on the calorie count and how that is evil and that so many people are replying all to it that it ends up crashing a server and so then she's being investigated as a hacker who coming back to the social network uh is someone who's basically trying to like overload uh, the system with so many different responses because no one could be doing this accidentally it'd have to be a malicious intent and she's like and it's just like that runner of the email happens out in like three or four different scenes in the background where she just has a few lines about being like oh i sent an email about the raisin muffs and then people are replying on it and then Oh, everything's being bogged down in it, and then I'm being investigated for hacking. Like it just was absolutely perfect uh, on there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I also love um 
I, I think this is, I forget if it's in the first or second season, probably in the second season, there is definitely a scene that shows you that there's like a organization hierarchy of the assistants. Like oh, really? Mrs. Landingham's, Mrs. Landingham's at the top. It basically goes with seniority of the person that they're assistant to. Like Mrs. Landingham's at the top, um, uh, Margaret's next, and then Donna's below that, even though Donna has a loud mouth. Yeah. And, and, and then some of the other communication staff that, that, that you see in like like the, the people who have like the, the smaller the smaller recurring roles yeah. um, show up as well. But I just remember there's a there's a bit somewhere in the show where it's made clear that like oh there's this other like mini society of things happening behind the scenes that is just the assistants like the assistants have their own bureaucracy and ethos and and everything going on too yeah yes. i yeah. um yeah uh with rob Lowe, yeah his delivery is so he can do a deadpan delivery so well uh, he can also just mm-hmm. play a charming delivery so well i mm-hmm. really enjoy his role of being sort of a bit of a fixer every once in a while um yeah but kind of like trying to he, mm-hmm. he a lot of his stuff has to do with like kind of having to help other people with their schemes as much mm-hmm. as it were um which is yeah. i think that's rob Lowe as an actor being mm-hmm. good off of any one of the other mm-hmm. people acting with him um yeah and it's hard for me to think of one i was literally thinking I'm like what is this one central like plotline with all these things i'm like well it's because he's just basically integral in every little part like they just are well, able to there's use also, him for everything. There, there is the whole story with him and the sex worker well yeah and say that's that's what we yeah, started talking about there um yeah. and um he uh it's it's something where eventually it comes back and it is found out by oppressor i believe is it daniel is the one that ends up Maybe probably that. I don't remember. Or he's yeah. at least the one that knows it, and it might end up going to uh, the press, and they're basically sort of like, "Well, what's the scandal?" Like, there's what, what you know, trying to figure it on there, and um, uh, it what does it end up leading to? It's getting blurry in my head. I don't I don't remember to be honest. I'm sorry. No, I think that's where it just comes back. Is that that is the fact that it comes back mm-hmm. on there because they don't yeah. end up. He doesn't end up seeing the call girl, um, mm-hmm. a sex worker. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if call girl is a is a is a bad term. Um, but the sex yeah. worker, uh, uh, more than a few episodes. Um, but I really mm-hmm. like that actress. I thought she was great. Um, yeah. uh, within it, and and yeah. she was yeah interesting I, I kind of was bummed that we didn't get more from her but i also was like mm-hmm. I, it's not that the plot line itself was the most interesting it was just i liked her presence on screen and wish she could have done yeah more. yeah yeah and and so it's also interesting because rob Lowe and martin sheen are the two big names on this show essentially the um, really? um the other folks bradley whitford john spencer um um Richard Schiff, they're character actors before this, and and into a lot, and so somebody said after this as well. Yeah. Um. Rob Lowe was, was a big star in the '80s. Martin Sheen was a movie star. Um. Apocalypse Down and such, and so it was originally theorized that Sam Seaborn would have a much bigger role because it's Rob Lowe, and actually the ensemble nature of the show led to Rob Lowe kind of being unhappy with the with the way the show pans out and he leaves he leaves earlier that much earlier than he was than the show goes on yeah I knew he was not reoccurring and basically left for a reason because there was sort of a career mm-hmm. thing where it's like oh leaving mm-hmm. one of the most successful shows to go on and do yeah. you know what well, I mean he ends up being on Parks and Rec ironically yep. another show about government and a great again another great role where he's just mm-hmm. like such a optimist to the point uh it's almost in a way in a way of uh parroting the sorkin ethos but just someone who is so brutally optimistic that he doesn't notice a lot of the problems around him sometimes and has to be pointed out obvious things uh by others um but yeah that's where that's kind of what i knew rob Lowe mostly from uh was parks and rec so it's interesting to yeah. see him having a bit of that same charm he's still kind of playing the same like 
charm off of both of them, but in a in a different role. He's much more grounded in this clearly than Parks and Rec because in Parks and Rec he's playing a very specific you know character um, that is meant yeah. to be on a higher energy than all the others. Yeah, I will also say I believe it's been reported that Rob Lowe is a conservative. Maybe his politics aren't great, so you know yeah. whatever. Um, last, last and least because she only appears in one season is um. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy the, as played by Moira Kelly from from The Cutting Edge, one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, Mandy doesn't really show up much, and and Mandy is pointed to often as Sorkin can't write women, and or Sorkin does not value women in his in his stories. And I think Mandy was intended to have a much larger presence initially. I think she gets I think she gets credit billing in the in the in the in the pilot, mm-hmm. and then she is only in this season and she disappears. There's no explanation given why her character does not appear again yeah she's so she's sort of a person who works uh, she's a political operative who works with other political operatives um she was working with uh the opposition at a certain point before this um and now she's also working for uh the bartlett she is she she's working for <sighs> what I, she is the... I never actually understood her job i'm just gonna admit it right here i'm not gonna try and be smart about it i don't yes. fully understood what her role within mm-hmm. all of the the stuff with her work. She is, according to the Wikipedia, she is the White House media director. The media director? Okay. Uh, Whatever that means. Yes, because, well, because I, and, and we talk about working with the opposition at a certain point because it's a plot line where she wrote a memo that contained mm-hmm. basically all of the bullet points on how to take down Bartlett during the nomination process mm-hmm. before yes. she worked there. And it was taken from her hard drive. Um, so it wasn't something where she kept a paper copy of it. It just, you know, it, uh, yeah. it, it, it was opposition just, research. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> opposition research. Yes, I know what that is. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, li- I thought she was, again, a very good uh, performance. I thought she was also very funny. Um, I liked mm-hmm. the, uh, I liked the, and she kind of is a bit of an antagonist, it feels like, mm-hmm. in it. And I yeah. guess now I can see where that would be. I think, I think like the, the theatrical two would be like a shrewish character. I think mm-hmm. that's so, like someone who's like very much like, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? Like telling people what to do all this time, sort of, of, of attitude. I can see that being put on there, but I guess I didn't notice that when so it's a little surprised when you were saying it earlier that some people commented her as being the, the part of oh Sorkin can't write women um mm-hmm. but maybe I wasn't probing her you know far enough because I just thought it was very funny I I honed in on a lot of the comedy of this of this series and that's just because that's mostly what I like I think the drama of it is very good and like the the setup of it is fantastic but I also was just I was very tickled by the interplay and the the banter between everyone because again that's where I think Sorkin writes well is the quick Mm -hmm. dialogue the little bit of wordplay the specific references Mm -hmm. getting all that information basically here's technical stuff layman's turns blah 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 Without yeah. doing that joke, without always just doing it that verbatim, but getting mm-hmm. that set up punchline, set up punchline is is yes. works for me. It just it's great. Yeah, and then so after after season one and season, starting in season two, a lot of the stuff that would have gone to Mandy goes to Donna actually, and Donna has a much bigger role. Oh, good! Yay, more Donna! I'm excited. Um, so I think the pilot is a very good episode because it does mm-hmm. mostly focus on all of the staff. And it's yep. about the fact that Jed Bartlett was injured, having ridden his bicycle into a tree. 
And so then everyone is on alert because they are trying to figure out if the president is okay or not. And they have several different issues. They have mm -hmm. a Cuban boat of refugees. They're trying to get to Miami. There's 137 who arrived and only you know 350 mm -hmm. are missing, presumed dead. Um, there's a political connected group that, of course, Josh ends up offending Sam Seaborn. He has the prostitute, all those things. So it's basically like each of these individual components within the White House staff has their own problem and their own little fire. And also mm -hmm. the fact that they don't know if the president is fine or not or what happened. Yes. And all of those things and seeing then all of the assistants reacting to it, seeing the mm -hmm. um, how the White House then works as response units and basically seeing then what they do. It was a good introduction to all the characters um, and a real nice like moment at the end when then POTUS does arrive and we mm -hmm. see, oh my God, it's Martin Sheen um and we just like see him coming in and, and it is like you said all of the theater people behind the scenes getting ready for it it is all realizing that all of this work is just literally so that when he walks into this room he can go ah hello i'm here yes 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 thank you thank you thank you thank you ah these are my lines these are my lines these are my lines um these are my budgets these are my budgets these are my reports and i'll be saying what about mm -hmm. it mm, okay good and i agree with that great um, what's the polling on it? Um, uh, here's the polling numbers for you, sir. Yeah, it it is it is nice to get a, uh, like a upstairs downstairs sort of like lower class upper class. But th these are all people mm -hmm. that are would be in upper like middle class at minimum. Like they're very yeah few yeah low class people. Maybe maybe, maybe this, I think I think I think the assistants might not be making six figures. They would have been true else's. middle class. Yes, they would at that point for sure. But have been true middle class um, on there. But uh, for the most part, most of the people that we're rooting for are definitely yeah. in the upper middle class. Okay, uh, people who are not doing jobs that most of us are doing. Maybe people who work in an office can relate to it. People who work in management could relate to it. People who who are on you know the more service Wait, ends of things. What? That's that's me. Yeah. yeah, I work. I work in an office. I I work in management. Yeah, I know. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying like that part of it is like the in for, for some of it. Yeah, I'm. It, this is like a version of the office, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah. with there's the inner office romances. There's the people mm -hmm. who don't like each other. There's the the one who takes things too seriously. The one who looks at the camera all the time. Wait, never mind. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, the so, one who puts the one the one who puts his friend's stapler in jello. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I I just thought it was a good introduction. Um, and then mm -hmm. the, uh, probably the next one that I think had a big impact on me was Five Votes Down, and that's okay. Well, hold on, hold okay. on. I, before we get there, I want to talk a little bit quickly about proportional response okay. because, as I said, I said I said to you, this is basically the political side of the plot of the movie The American President. Okay, which it, which which has which takes a lot of its a lot of it a lot of the beats from The American President are um, reused in this episode of The West Wing and, and the show in general. The idea of this being like a president who has a daughter um, in 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 The American President, he's 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 dating he's dating Annette Benning in in um, West Wing. He's married to to Stocker Channing. Um, funny enough, Martin Sheen plays the plays the chief of staff in the um, in The American President to the president who is Michael Douglas. Oh, really? Um, and and Michael Douglas has in the movie he 
they there's something happens and they they're gonna do a proportional response and he says he says the president says what is the purpose of a proportional response and then they have that conversation yes. which is which is like almost repeated verbatim in this episode of the show oh interesting I actually I did I didn't mean to skip over that one uh out of not no, no, liking I, it but you're right I actually did like that proportional response argument at the end because essentially mm-hmm. it is still just like we're still attacking and and these are going to be civilians and people's lives that are going to be you know on mm-hmm. the line because of what we do and yes, of course. just because that uh there was an op- there was a transport that was shot down carrying his personal physician um who we just met at the end of uh, essentially the episode mm-hmm. beforehand uh and other um military healthcare workers uh it just is you know mm-hmm you're giving me the dollars and cents and like, you know, all these sorts of things for people's lives. And that's the part that he has to like reckon with as the president that when he makes those decisions, it is lives that are on the line, Um, Mm -hmm. not votes on the line, unlike five votes down, which is uh, written by Lawrence O'Donnell, which I did not realize he was a person connected with this before. I just knew him as an MSNBC Host, and so I assumed he was a journalist that had just sort of done journalism and then ended up on TV. I was very surprised to see that not only did he write this, but he plays President Bartlett's father in flashback yep. scenes. I kind of wish I hadn't seen that season. ahead of time, so it would have yeah. surprised me just to be like, wait, what the fuck? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I get looked forward to that. Um, but yeah, so I, I I was just surprised that, that his involvement, in it, but I, it makes sense then, um, his experience rounding into, into writing this. Um, I liked seeing every one of the Congress people in five votes down, getting approached by the various staff members because it's interesting who they send um, to talk to each of them. Um, and uh, also there's the other subplot within this where uh, uh, Leo is working on the vote. He's five votes down and it's his anniversary. And so he's telling his staff to get things ready for it. And he's trying to do well by his wife. Um, and they end up doing all this work, whipping for it. And then the president comes in at the very end and he basically talks to they oh they basically were five votes down and they thought they had one and one of them ends up not coming through so then the president goes to um one of the leaders specifically and it's basically like well you're gonna be my final vote on this one um and you're gonna do it uh because it's the right thing to do and yeah like okay sure <laughs> like I'm, I'm summarizing it up a lot more on it but it's for uh the gun bill um and so it's being able to have it uh secured um oh actually it should actually apologize i'm a total idiot um it wasn't the president who came through uh it's uh the vice president, the vice president who came yes exactly Hoynes. it was Hoynes, Hoynes who came through um on there and he's the one that ends up talking about it and asking for the deal because he basically like i want to win um and i want to be able to uh get an accomplishment um with this on it uh, on there and so while the staff was able to get all of them uh the vice president and the president lets the vice president get the win he doesn't try to like you know um like take the credit afterwards or push on it he's basically just like okay uh he's the one that flipped that last vote we wouldn't have got it without it so uh there it is and it's one of those things where is this the scene where we haven't talked about Hoynes yet, um, but we uh, can start now. Is this the scene where President Bartlett talks to him and is basically like, uh, and Hoynes, and it's like, how come you basically are like, have disdain for me or just seems like, you know, you're keeping yeah, me on there? Yeah, you're icing me out. You're yeah. icing me out. And he's like, it's that I appreciate 
I didn't appreciate the fact that when I asked you to become the vice president, the vice president, I asked you, you made me beg. And like, mm-hmm. that was just, on a, you know, basically unacceptable. Um, mm-hmm. Because from there, from then, it sort of was like, we can't be a team when you start off on that mm-hmm. sort of like wrong attitude and stuff. And because he, yeah. and, 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 and he comes and in, Hoyt's... he's like, I delivered you the South. And he's so pissed Yeah, I was going to say, Hoyt has that great line about that. He's like, he's like, what have I done other than deliver the South? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. So, this was part of that relationship with them where um, he's uh, able to get that. But then we also hear sort of in the background other stories of other people, you know, who did this and this. Oh, this person voted this. this per- and it's all the different stories that have been playing out in the background of that episode uh, on that mm-hmm. report. I really did like that. They all, That is also the episode that has the great meta joke about the walk and talks. Yes. Where uh, Sam and Josh are walking and he's like, where are we? I was following you. I was following you. you. Mm-hmm. Let's let's not tell anyone this ever happened. <laughs> um, we do have to mention episode five, big block of cheese day, Ugh. where they. This is this is really where this is really where the, like a lot of the um, the Obama criticism comes in because because they had a big block of cheese day. It was a, they made a big deal out of it the first year Obama was in office, and this was really when they it was like, oh no, they've been brainwormed by they've been sort of compelled into thinking that they can actually they can actually compromise with the fucking Republicans. But anyway, I don't want to distract because it's a great episode. But yeah, I oh, had yeah. to say that. Well, and it has a great subplot, which is oh, someone's cooking uh, a dinner and it's not gonna taste great. Like even getting that great plotline in there. Um, but no, this is the one where um, essentially Josh has a existential crisis um, mm-hmm. and has to go to his therapist who hasn't seen in a while because um, he is given a national security council card that gives him clearance to basically be in the bunker in the case of a nuclear attack mm-hmm. and that he yep. is the only member of that staff who has gotten one, other than other Leo. than Leo yes the uh, the chief of staff mm-hmm. um and so he becomes uncomfortable with it and he basically like the entire day is on edge and can't focus because of it mm-hmm. uh, he talks to it and then in the end he talks to CJ and says I need you to know this I'm picked you're not picked the other people aren't picked and and she's like yeah I'm a press secretary. I don't think there's going to be many reporters asking questions after the case of uh, you needing to go, you know, in the bunker. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's sort of like really use some of that burden on there. Um, but then also they have to meet uh, the, the principal of Big Block of Cheese Day is because uh, it's when they're supposed to meet with fr- fr- fringe groups that don't normally get mm-hmm. uh, attention at the White House. And so all of that is going on in the background of yes. his existential crisis. No. And so it's yes. just very funny that we just have like a scene by scene moment of like a different interest group popping in. And then there's like how yep. to deal with it. And then like Nick, Nick Offerman. Yes. Nick Offerman. Um, it's the with wolf, the wolf highway, the wolf highway, a young <gasps> younger uh nick offerman um but still very much just doing the same delivery that he does and all those things yeah uh it was really fun to see that he still was that same person then um mm-hmm. uh and uh the there's another there's another one where it's sam and cj are talking about like a virus uh infection mm-hmm. and they have this yep. really eerie precedent line where it's basically like oh it's not gonna be nuclear weapons that's the next big thing it's gonna be a mm-hmm. virus it's gonna be like a pandemic oh yeah and i'm just like fuck like i forget that even back then there was talk about viral it's... containment and all these sorts of things like Ugh. yeah 
It's okay, Missy. The pandemic's, pandemic's over. Oh, the government uh, told the government told me the pandemic's that's over. That's true. The government told me that, and so therefore, hooray! Um, Fauci, Fauci stopped washing his hands. That's what I heard. <laughs> In fact, he's uh, pissing directly move, on them because he's been told that helps cure the infection. Yes. Let's let's move on. Um, what was the next episode that really caught your eye? Um. Oh, there's the state dinner. Um. Yes, where yes, they have the. One. Uh, uh, the president is trying to have essentially small talk um, with the president of Indonesia, who is just comfortable giving um, one word uh, answers on there. Um, mm-hmm. And in the background, they're also having to deal with a hurricane that is arriving um, and the decisions made on that. Um, and uh, he. Uh, Oh, and also is uh, Abigail Bartlett, um, is this where she first appears? Yes. Yes, yes. first appearance of Stocker Channing right. as, yes. as Abigail Bartlett. Yes, uh, I was going to say. Incredible performance. Oh, my Incredible God. performance. Amazing. Um, and uh, all of it kind of accumulates at the very end with the hurricane having moved um, course, and it ends up is going to be going um, right towards uh two cruisers and two destroyers that they basically were trying to move like to evade the storm uh, and they're just kind of just still being in it anyways um oh. and the president uh is on the radio at the end of the night um and he talks with the um just one of the sailors that is on there yeah. and I, that was like a oh and there's also the um a hostage crisis uh, with the FBI mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and Idaho. I'm like, is this? There was a moment where I'm like, is this the? I think it's just the one I asked where there's the disaster episode because um, it definitely mm-hmm. felt like a lot of things were set up on it. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a number of episodes where there's a lot where there's multiple crises at once. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to. It's, it's hard not to like say. it's not like it's not like it was telegraphed in the same way that like um um Thespis or the disaster show in, in Studio sixty was. Yes, for sure. Um, I will say the 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 thing where he's ending the sh- ending the episode ha- talking the president's talking to the sailor feels very reminiscent of the episode of Studio sixty where they where they have the blacklisted writer and he says, "Can we just sit here and talk? Did you tell us stories for a few hours?" Like. It, it's a very sort of sentimental style ending that I think like Sorkin Sorkin goes to pretty often, but it, it works almost every time. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think the, uh, uh, the next episode, the the shortlist that I think about, um, that's the mm-hmm. one where it is getting a um, open seat for the Supreme Court, and they ah, basically yeah. are picking the one that they know will go through, um, and uh, he is a white man and then there is uh judge roberto mendoza is played by edward james almost uh hell yes yeah. who would be uh i think that with the makeup in in this fictional court uh, would also be the supreme mm-hmm. the first um latino uh on yep. the court and so gotta get gotta get mendoza on the court yes and so um it's uh, they basically the like the person retiring is like expresses his displeasure like with the president privately which mm-hmm. uh is, i think a thing that actually happens in real life is like associate justices definitely do or or you know whoever mm-hmm. definitely do weigh in on who they're going to be um picking on it and then they kind of um get a review on other candidates and then wasn't there like a tip about maybe there being like some hold up because of a damaging material 
that might mm-hmm. be against yep. Harrison, right? Or was it? Yes. Okay, that, yeah. That's why. That's why. That's why they dump Harrison. Yes, exactly. They basically use that as a reason. And as he says mm-hmm. to Robert Mendoza, he says, "You are not my first pick, but you are my last pick." And I really mm-hmm. like that. Like basically, him, you know, acknowledging that he should have gone with him. Uh, mm-hmm. in the first place um, if he had gone yeah. with his conviction versus going through who was sort of the one that had been shopped around mm-hmm. as this is the best one which again comes back later in in uh, the decision making of, of where he goes um, yeah yeah and I think I, um, we only get a little bit of Edward James almost in this season I think he only appears in this season um, once Mendoza's on the bench they, they might reference him but I don't think he's ever shown again um, we definitely have to talk about Celestial Navigation which is a later episode that he appears in but um, yeah yeah, um, uh, let's see here. Then, uh, oh, oh, by the title alone, Lord John Marbury. Of course, oh, of, course. of course. I should have known. You should have known. You should have known, Lord John Marbury. Fucking S tier. I couldn't believe this guy walking in. So, uh, I love the setup where it, it is uh, India. I don't love the setup. But I love uh, the right. that India is invading Pakistan. So, no, it's almost like I got a quote. India is invading Pakistan. Missy loves it. Um, into his <laughs> occupation of the Kashmir. Um, and they're worried that, oh, shit, two nuclear powers are going to war. And uh, they're going to have to try and get a ceasefire agreement with the United Nations. And, of course, then everyone's like, well, the United States is going to have to step in because of the world power. And so they're the ones that can do it. So President... Bartlett sends for John Marbury, who everyone is like, no, absolutely not. We can't have Lord John Marbury come in. Why? He's he's a quack. He's a wacko. He's like an uh-huh. alcoholic. Like, he's awful. Like, he's, <laughs> why would you do him? He's like, he's the one that's best suited for it. And then, uh, essentially, the people who come in and, and talk in order and who all, like, draw the line are basically, like, will, will not agree with the others. So he first is, like, uh, uh, the ambassador to well for no uh, the yeah the vast of beijing comes in played um by james wong uh great i was like perfect we're getting mm-hmm. it started off with a great character actor on here mm-hmm. um and then i can't remember the actors names for the other two the people who play the pakistani and the indian ambassadors are also like actors i recognize i'm like oh hey they usually got cast as like pakistani and indian people in that time mm-hmm. like they were the ones that were uh uh, frequent on that, but um, mm-hmm. it was just like perfect. Um, and then China it says it might have to enter the fight against India if uh, it goes from there. Uh, and then Pakistan says it's no mm-hmm. longer going to tolerate any oppression from its people, and so it's going to stand up to India. And then the ambassador from New Delhi is like, uh, we're not going to follow any other nations. Uh, we're not going to be bullied around by the U.S. because we're our own. Uh, a nation now like we have over a billion people and so therefore like you need to respect us as another world power so everything seems to be terrible until lord marbury kicks in the door hello i'm here hello my god that's lord marbury's music oh my god it was it was fantastic and um like they they build it up and he and it still delivers way more way better than you being the most british the most ostentatious the most like name dropping like all of these people and things and it's just like this wonderful 
you want him to be everything you, you would want a character like an unnamed character in a play be who kicks in the door and it's like hello i'm here you're like oh my god he's finally arrived and he's everything i've dreamed of um and essentially he's able to get a uh two-week ceasefire um dealt between them and they're basically he just is like oh yes because i know this person i know that person i know this person i called them and i did this and i did that and uh everything should be uh, agreed to well at least two weeks there which buys you some time it's not a full uh, mm-hmm. uh it's not a full piece but it's time which is the only thing that you don't have right now mr president and president bartlett is like oh see lord marbury yeah he's he's a wacko but this is the reason why i picked him and i oh mm-hmm. I I need to look up the name of that actor because I know I know who he is. He's from the original Broadway thing of the producers, but I'm trying to think if that's Roger Bart or the other person who was in the Rod, Roger Reese. Roger Reese. That's who it is. Yes. Um, and so um, Roger Reese, just uh, stunning, absolutely stunning um, performance in there, and I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't wait to see him more i'm glad we got a little bit more of him but like i hope he comes back in later seasons does it come back in season he two does. yay he does. oh i'm so excited and that one because it's just this is not the last you've seen of lord john marbury and again this one to me is just funny because i knew it was one of the things where it's going to be okay the president is going to butt heads either way and this magical character is going to come this this deus es machina is going to come in at the end but i could not have expected what i got like it was just yeah. uh fantastic um, I, I one one thing real quick before we move on. Mm-hmm. I love Lord John Marbury. He's a great character. He there's also a very similar plot line in season two of Sports Night, which was written at the same time as season one of The West Wing. Um, it, there's an episode called The Cut Man Cometh, which I, I I sent you I sent you a link to the YouTube video immediately after recording this. You have to watch it. Okay. It's it's like five minutes of basically the same bit, but it's so funny. Oh my god! I can't wait. I cannot wait for that. Um, and the next episode is worth shouting out because it is the episode where um, they reveal that um, the president has MS um, and mm-hmm. that it also it also is the resolution of uh, it uh, with the, the Pakistan fire. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, do, do you do you know do you know why the president has MS in this show? I'm assuming it has to do with. His uh, is it because of of Martin Sheen's real arm, and they wanted to be able mm-hmm. to give a reason for why the president's arm might have nope. something. Nope. Is it a contract thing? They wanted to be able to like nope kill him. I don't know. Is is Martin it, Sheen you, is you Martin would... Sheen a representative of MS and want to raise awareness of it? That might be. But okay. I, okay. It you would never have guessed. Okay. This. Go ahead. Aaron Sorkin wanted to write an episode about. The president sitting in bed. Okay. <laughs> and so he gave him MS. Yes. That's an escalation. Uh, and I like that the episode revolves around, oh, them having a flu, and then uh, we get a lot of First Lady uh, yep. treating him. With also, the other subplot is that um, Leo faces um, the revelation about his alcohol and value addiction because a conservative like troll group that keeps filing subpoenas mm. got that information and is trying to catch them in perjury essentially with the testimony mm. and also be able to then to yep. point out that leo as a drug and alcohol addict, addict should not should work not, in the yeah, west wing yeah. in the west wing um yeah. and uh it ends with uh um the uh 
it ends with the president kind of like getting put into bed and the first lady taking care mm-hmm. of him. Um, but yeah, it just was interesting again to see the president in a vulnerable position and how all of these staff sort of react to that. Um, but it also was nice mm-hmm. to see a moment with the first lady who we, you know, have only seen hither and dither as, as it's been, you know, uh, you know, d- dabbled in there. She she appears a lot more in the second half, which makes me think that they they maybe weren't mm-hmm. sure, you know, about the order run and everything like that if they were going to introduce her until later on. But yeah, um, I mean, they they did hire her. They essentially hired her mm-hmm. for the back half of the season, and then she recurs a lot in in the show after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the the MS thing, I, I feel like it doesn't get a lot of play in the first season because it's very much this like closely guarded secret. It is a big plot line in the second season. You're gonna you're gonna love it. The episode seventeen people especially is really, really good. Yes. Um but yeah, I just love that the president got MS because um Sorkin wanted to have him sitting in bed complaining about soap operas. That's <laughs> you know what? Go go you did it, Sorkin. You managed to achieve what you wanted to do with that episode because you did it. Yeah. Um, I think the next one we'll jump to is is uh, episode 14, which is Take the Sabbath Day. We have m- mentioned the main storyline within it, uh, mm-hmm. but, but we'll kind of both of them want to call out, but just that this episode they have it in. Um, this is the one where we introduce uh, Joey Lucas as the deaf campaign manager for mm-hmm. the House candidate, um, who by the end, they say that you should be the one running for it. Um, and then it also is the death penalty um, episode um, where mm-hmm. a federal prisoner for two drug-related murders, yeah, is, is supposed to take place early that Monday. Um, really, we talked about the two parts of it, but again, what a... You want to talk about the dichotomy these episodes can have, a, a comedy of errors where a person, uh, you know, that they think at the name of it is uh, a male and ends up being a woman, and then the two have, like, some flirtatious chemistry throughout of it, is then also the president mm-hmm. having to deal with... <laughs> It's really a religious crisis. Like, oh, and those two things mm-hmm. can be in one, and it doesn't feel weird. Like, rereading it, I was like, oh, on the face of it, it is weird, quote-unquote, that those are in the same episode. You'd feel like they'd be, you know, totally different. But I didn't even think in the moment about it. Because, again, partly because the reveal at the end wasn't until uh, the part. Mm-hmm. Oh, and jo- and Joey is Joey plays into the storyline because she's a Quaker, and uh, she was asked her opinion on it, and she basically doesn't support the death penalty um and uh mm-hmm. there's a a bit because someone says you got the opinion of a, a rabbi a priest and a quaker you know what are you asking me for kind of thing uh mm-hmm. but it's too late um yeah the next one hold just real uh, quick just real quick that episode also features very prominently Terre Haute, Indiana. Sorkin loves his, like, Midwest town. He, the, you had the um, Ealing, Missouri from Studio 60 where they make bread. Um, there's a bunch of that in Sports Night as well. There will be more references to obscure obscure Midwest towns in the future. Oh, it was nice to see a uh, city very close to me, Ames, Iowa, uh, get mentioned in, in one of them. It's easy because mm-hmm. it has one of the, the universities uh, uh, in there, and so it gets uh, name-checked a lot for that reason. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so... We do, we'll have to briefly mention Celestial Navigation as the one where um, CJ has the dental care on it, but it's also where they mm-hmm. learn that uh, Judge Mendoza has been pulled over Arrested. on charges of drunk driving and disorderly conduct. 
Um, and so the Sam ends up being able to save the day because mm -hmm. he vetted Mendoza and he knows that Judge can't consume alcohol because of a mm -hmm. liver condition, but that Judge Mendoza would not submit to a breathalyzer test out of principle because he said mm -hmm. he was get he it was pulled over by uh, racism and not because there was actual reason to suspect that he mm -hmm. was drunk. Um, yes. Yes. And again. Dental surgery, racism. All, but also, but also, <laughs> but also, the the plot with Mendoza is very similar to the plot of Nevada Day in um or Nevada in Studio Sixty. Actually, Guy gets pulled over, pulled over, refuses to explain what's going on because of principles, and thus then thus has to get bailed out by the friends. Yes. Um, I also like Celestial Navigation because it's it, it, it is it uses the same sort of frame story. I mentioned this in a text to you um, as the Dear Luis episodes of the, the the Luis episodes of Sports Night, where Jeremy is describing events that happened in the past. In this case, Josh is giving a talk about things that happened in the past. Um, also, also with the, as a result of the the dental surgery in the root canal, Josh gives the press conference with his secret plan to fight inflation, which is a good runner. Oh my god! Um, yes. Yeah, I have a this, yes. This the is, president has a secret plan to fight inflation. Oh, blah, 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 what, this what is, oh wait, I'm at, uh, uh. <laughs> This is one of my favorite episodes. I think this is one of the best episodes of the season. I think it's a it's a really good standalone episode, also. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 very good. Um, Twenty Hours in L.A. I thought was very interesting. We get a Bob oh, Balaban oh, yes. as a billionaire um, who is having uh -huh. a celebrity-packed fundraising dinner, um, and uh, is they're basically it's has to do with uh, the amendment on the constitutional amendment to prohibit the burning of the national flag. Um, as well as there's also the, an issue of a, a town meeting on school vouchers. Uh, which was interesting that flag burning was one that was brought up, but then school vouchers is something that's on there, as well as there's a 50-50 vote on a Senate bill about a tax credit for the production of what? Ethanol. And they mention Iowa. Hey, 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 hey. Um, it's, I hear about that all the fucking time, and it makes me laugh. Um, and so uh, it, it was interesting just to see, again, some of the maneuvering of it and to have a billionaire character who basically is like, pulling the string on the Bartlett's and basically being like, you know, okay, like, you know, you can like uh, have him not, uh, uh, you know, make this statement and then I'll just like cancel this whole fundraiser. Like, it's no big deal. You know, it's whatever. Um, and uh, the, I like then it gets Hoynes in again because he's the one that has to break the 50-50 tie and he doesn't yep. support ethanol as mm -hmm. a fuel. And yep. so he had, and neither it turns out that neither does bartlett but bartlett had to be in support of it because he tried to win iowa and hoynes basically was like i'm just gonna say i'm against it and knew that he wouldn't win iowa and you mm -hmm. know is that the reason that bartlett is you know the hoynes is not president because of that and like that yeah. that was that was subtext and not text i just you know again living in iowa i know that's that's part of it on there um but then he gets the call from the president um, saying uh, that uh, they got Sam and Leo to arrange for three senators to vote nay, and that lets um, the president off the hook um, so that he mm -hmm. doesn't have to be the 50-50 um, tie. Yep. And he thanks him for uh, being willing to have done that. Because he's in the air, I think, going to uh, fly mm -hmm. to the, the uh, to Congress to, be, to do that tie-breaking vote at the moment. Yes. So, fun fact... They filmed 
part of this episode in uh, uh, an office building called the Water Garden in Santa Monica, which was across the street from the office I used to work at. Oh. Um, part of part of the the LA location. Um, the show was actually filmed in LA, so um, like the majority of the mm-hmm. show was filmed in LA, and then exteriors were shot. It's most of the exteriors that that feature Washington DC stuff was shot in Washington DC. Um, that that same location and the the office where I worked in. So the Water Garden was also used on Parks and Rec to be a uh, the California startup that they go to, the Google-like startup where they get free uh... Wi-Fi. And then also, it is also used, uh, uh, the office I, I worked in, which is the office park across the street, um, the Colorado Center, was used as a, a location on Veep when they went to California, and there's a oh, protest. Oh, there's some location scouting going on in your neighborhood over there. That's and, interesting. And, and, I, and this... I used to literally work in the in the Colorado Center, and, and we would go to over to the Water Garden to get sandwiches for lunch. It was so the so like that was definitely one of the things when I was I was doing a rewatch of the West Wing, and, I, and it was definitely like the Leo pointing <laughs> meme of just being I, I yeah. see I see I see. That's really good. So these next runners are probably going to be harder for me to separate in terms of the whole season because they are the ones sure. that I watched last uh, and uh, yep. today. So they're very memorable for me and all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will shout out um, the White House uh, Pro-Am uh, because it's where we get a lot of the First Lady and Soccer Channing, and she's great. She's doing an, uh, an interview um, with a, uh, a student that's trying to raise the issue of child slavery. And so that becomes one of her issues. And we see the that that then gets overshadowed immediately by the federal reserve of uh, a director die, dying and so then that gets on there and we see that then sets off immediately a sort of tit for tat between uh the first lady's office and uh the mm-hmm. president's office with sam being a lot of the um sort of uh the go between with a lot of these things um on there and uh, it ends up coming into play because on there, there's a bill that they're trying to get uh, supported. And there is a congresswoman who's going to add an amendment about child slavery to the bill, which should be, you know, an easy mm-hmm. one to go through. And that will then probably kill it. And so the first lady, who, of course, makes it her pet issue. And I'm just going to say pet issue in like a, I, that can be like described like very much diminutively but in his terms it's just like the one that they're kind of mm-hmm. referring to as her quote pet issue um and she um gets the congresswoman to withdraw it uh even though she supports it because it will like kill the bill and then uh, and it turns out that the first lady is the one who leaked oh and also there's a thing about um that the president has a preference for a person but that the first lady has a preference for this other person um and mm-hmm. Uh, then there's tension because the statement gets leaked and you find out that it was Flotus who leaked it and her mm-hmm. and President Bartlett have their quote first fight in the White House because basically it's like how do I main my, maintain my autonomousness without you you know with you being the president and everything and like what, how are we supposed to do mm-hmm. you know that on there um, but it's interesting because it also shows how much they still love each other and how you know it it isn't like it isn't like a veep atmosphere where oh fighting is fun and so we're gonna have fun fighting all the time and that's like part of the Mm -hmm. ethos it's like clearly something that is not normal for them even though there has been tension in their relationship building up uh since Mm -hmm. he won the white house yeah absolutely this also has the in the background uh we we've already introduced zoe's um uh we've already introduced zoe's security detail and mm-hmm. the fact that 
Charlie is dating her. He's trying to date. He's trying, trying to date Zoe. To, yeah, at this point. Um, and he, when they're beginning to get it, um, and by this point, he is starting to get death threats and other hate mail from white supremacists based on their relationships. Um, and so mm-hmm. they can't go out Friday night. So instead, he shows up to her place. And it's cute because we learned that her uh, secret service name is Bookbag. Her secret mm-hmm. service name is Bookbag. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Do you think, because Secret Service, they get protection for life. Do you think when she's like 45, her name is still Bookbag? You know what? I wonder how many of them that are embarrassed by their code words and if they switch. I don't know. Uh, I know that some mm-hmm. people have like alternative ones, I guess, but I'd, I'd have to look. I mm-hmm. at one point looked at the list because it's just interesting to know. And you never know what trivia question might come mm-hmm. up with. What president's, you know, Secret Service name was blah, blah, blah. Um, I know, I know Obama was renegade, but other yes. than that. Um, I actually don't know. Is Biden's Bennett? benedict benediction something like that. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe just thinking that um let's see here 19 is let bartlett be bartlett that sets up uh what we kind of talked about with the uh federal election commission uh opening being mm-hmm. in there and yep. the basically him setting up the fight that's going to come into play within the next couple episodes uh with mm-hmm. the republicans and the democrats uh in the uh in, in congress mm-hmm. Uh, because he is, um, he's basically not going with tradition, trying to do his own thing. And, but is also, he's following the law, like to the letter of it, but not what they think is the spirit Mm -hmm. of it. And he's doing it because as he gets his, you know, butt handed to him by Leo, um, he, uh, has a hard time chat. And then he basically says, well, the first way to do that, let Bartlett be Bartlett is, he gets his nominees and he puts them on there and they can get them confirmed or get them mm-hmm. denied. Uh, leg- you can shove your legislative. You can slut. slut- wow. You can shove. <laughs> you can slut your. You can slut your. You can slut your legislation. You can slut your legislation in there. Around town. You can shove that legislation up your ass. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a recurring theme in Sorkin stuff. Like, um, it's very much like people challenging each other on their principles. Like, it's very similar to um, The Six Gentlemen of Tennessee in Sports Night. It's also kind of similar to the opening of of Studio 60 where, where um, um, Wes Mandel is trying – is getting challenged to put the put the show, put the the sketch on to stand up for his values. Like, be a man and stand up for your values. Mm-hmm. I also find it fascinating that Let Bartley Be Bartlett was directed by Laurie Innes. I had no idea that she directed that mm-hmm. episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also directed Studio 60, yes. Oh, I don't think I looked at I don't think I looked at who directed those ones um on there. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so then mandatory millions wow, mandatory minimums follows some of that up with when President Bartlett announces mm-hmm. his nominations, um, one Democrat and one Republican, um, that basically mm-hmm. support the reforms he wants at his at at a dinner and it basically uh takes the rug out from underneath uh the congressional leaders and so then uh one of the republican senators is basically like i'm gonna fucking bury him you know uh at that point and just sends out his uh his hounds to get on there and that is uh when we also get uh the leaked memo that has uh mandy uh within it and then talks about the opposition research uh, and mm-hmm. everything, um, and also uh, one of the moments where uh, we get to see um, Toby out on the field because he has to meet with his ex-wife, who happens to be a member of Congress. 
Um, of course she of is. Of course. Toby's ex-wife is great. I love her. Yes. Um, and uh, they end up. Be, she ends up being a part of a group of people that is brought in and is basically told that, like, it is hypocritical because you all have instances of people you know getting light sen- lighter sentences than what your mandatory mm-hmm. minimum is and, like, way lighter. And so you can't, like, get this preferential treatment and then go around and try and pass this and say it's good. And, and essentially being like, we will use all of this against you in your, you know, mm-hmm. primary nominations coming up if you if you do that. Um, uh, which uh, almost, make, almost makes Andrea even hotter for her ex-husband, Toby, except she's dating someone else. Is that okay with him? Uh, we were texting back and forth. I'm like, wait, what is this person's relationship with Toby? Because he's, she's very much teasing him in a way, but Toby has a, and he said, Toby has a wife. I'm like, yeah, so what is up with that? Um, uh, let's see here. <laughs> I, I, one thing I will say, the, thinking about this, mm-hmm. I think what happens a lot in this in these episodes is that the women are right. Yes. But they have to argue their point with the men, and the men do a lot of the arguing. Yes. But then, but then, like, like very commonly, it'll come back to the women are right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think then the the, the last one that's that's uh, we're talking about is the, the last episode. What kind of day has yeah. it been? Which starts out with what you think could be an assassination attempt on the president, or at least it shows um, Zoe's it shows Zoe's Secret Service agent. Um, seeing something noticing noticing something uh because as they're walking out of a building where the president was giving a town hall there's like a rope line of people who are all cheering and he's talking to them and then yeah as zoe's getting in the in the presidential limo uh her secret service agent notices something in the crowd yes uh and then we get a flashback to 12 hours earlier because sorkin is a fucking tease and we're mm-hmm. just like, okay. And by the end of this episode, I had forgotten that that was even set up to begin with. So when it happened again, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. It's going to happen. And uh, the mm-hmm. stuff that we flash back to is that a stealth bomber has been shot down over an Iraqi no-fly zone. And they're not sure mm-hmm. if the pilot's okay. So yep. Studio 60, uh, rescue of uh, of people from mm-hmm. behind enemy lines. Um and spoiler, we learn he survives, um, and uh, mm-hmm. that the Iraqis are near him, and ends with the episode getting him uh, rescued, and everyone's happy. We also then find out that concurrent to that, that the spaceship Columbia is having mechanical problems that is delaying its re-entry, and that Toby's brother is an astronaut who he does not have a relationship with, and is a good relationship, a good with, relationship yeah. with, yeah, and is on the. Um, space shuttle and he's getting updates from uh is it sam who's who keeps updating him on it um yeah it's 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 sam he also um the president is also aware of this and mm-hmm. the president goes and talks to him at one yes. point before 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 the speech in, in a memorable moment because basically the president's trying to cheer him up and toby is like i don't believe sir i know what you're trying to do but there are, I, I don't believe i don't deserve this i don't believe yeah. there is a minor problem when it comes to space and then also yes. he's like the spaceship's practically by himself. And he says, sir, no, they don't. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And then walks away. Yeah. And it's, it's like, oof, mm-hmm. Toby. Um, but he's also he's also saying to Toby, you should get on the first flight and go talk to your brother in fiction. Yes, exactly. Um, and then we also uh, have the, like the, the museum that they're going to in the suburbs and getting everything set up for the town hall meeting. 
um, mm-hmm. and uh, on there. That all rounds up back again to where we started with the president yeah. exiting on the line. Wait, before, we, before we get there, least. before we get there, one thing I want to say is I, the, the the start of this episode is another feels like a sorkinism, which is like oh, they they have this hand signal of the plane taking off and. They introduce oh, it without right. explaining what it is. Yes. And then Leo says, like, I thought that meant the one thing. And he's like, well, it means the other thing now. Yes. And then, and then, like, so by the end of the episode, you know what that means. Because initially it was meant for the pilot getting rescued. But the pilot gets rescued before they leave for the yes. speech. It, instead, it is, instead, it is, um, instead, it now means the, the space shuttle Columbia is safe. Yes. Um, but, but, but that, the idea of, like, this was I thought I thought that meant one thing. No, it means it means the other thing now. That is a very common Sorkin trope. I feel like that happens in sports night a lot as well. Oh, I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that uh, in season two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so there's this a so we see a white nationalist is who, the person who she made eye contact with. She then the Secret Service agent uh, Gina. She looks up and uh, she then sees that the or the, or the whites supremacist basically signals like i'll go to the gunman up Mm -hmm. there and then we see two gunmen just firing round after round after it's horrifying i mean it Mm -hmm. is just they're they're going yeah they're shotting it they're firing they're firing handguns at the the whole crowd including including the president but 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 really at everyone And um, the, the Secret Service scramble. They get they get Charlie and, and and Zoe into a car, and then the episode ends with the with the Secret Service saying like Eagle is down. Yeah. yeah. Um. E- e- Eagle down. Eagle down. Who who who's been hit? Yes. And that is the question that we're gonna have to fucking deal with in season two because we don't get a resolution on this. Like again, it was mm-hmm. what what a tease. I forgot when you could do that on on network television because you knew you had a season order coming up you would just give everyone a big old tease at the end mm-hmm. you come back and see more if you want to get it which i will mm-hmm. i will definitely be watching season two yeah um what are you what are, so what are your what are your thoughts going into season two what are you excited about what do you want to see you know um this is just gonna sound dumb because it is just what the show is i just want to see more of the day-to-day of how they put out fires I think it's really interesting seeing um, them mm-hmm. come up against their opposition. Like, it's, I don't know. I, it's just, these are fun for me to see play out. This is a fun show. Mm-hmm. I like the humor of it. Sorkin's writing is my kind of rat tat tat. Um, I'm interested to see more of the characters' development um, mm-hmm. and their relationships with each other change. Um, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to more West Wing. Yeah, um, some I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple of little things that you're gonna see. In the past, we've talked about Sorkin loves his um, blonde op- antagonist, and the blonde antagonist shows up in season two. You'll see oh, her. No. Um, uh, season two has a much more serialized story, especially in the back half of the season. This this season is more loose. Like there are there are narrative threads, but they're not nearly as like. Everything builds in season two up to up to uh, like a, one main storyline. Like everything folds back into one main storyline, which I think is really good. Which I think is done really well. Um, there definitely are pretty much every every funny bit that I remember from this show is from season two. So you, you have that to look forward to. I can't wait. And yeah, um, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for for you to get there. I, I, I okay. So 
I was worried you weren't going to like the show because you weren't really on board with Sports Night. Obviously, that is not. Obviously, that is not the yes. case. You you are you fucking love it. Which which then after we had that conversation, I said was going to be true. Um, yeah. How do you how do you think this compares to the other Sorkin works that we've watched? Because we've watched a lot now. It's. I mean, it's the best of it. Uh, it clearly is his best writing. It fits. Um, it's a some. It's something he knows a lot about. The references he mm-hmm. pulls are all very much specifics. A lot of them I know because I'm politics obsessed uh, in an unfortunate way. Um, I, I, honestly, mm-hmm. being first in the nation does have a lot to do with it because you have to like know some of this stuff that other sure. people just don't. By the time they mm-hmm. get a, a, a yeah. vote around there. Um, and like and like I like I've said before, I think this show's popularity helped raise the level of understanding of politics. Yeah, I, can I think imagine. like this show feeding into the 2004 election with like the online movement, the the move ons and the daily causes of the world for me was the big thing that like this show bleeding into that was why I learned a lot of that stuff. And then especially in 2008 with the Obama McCain election, that was extremely online. And then uh, and a lot of the nuance of the stuff that gets discussed in stuff like the West wing, the topics that are getting raised um, are become much more commonplace parlance for people who are following politics in the news and online. Yeah. Good. Good show is good. I can't complain. Like I said, not an episode that I didn't like or was like, oof, magoof, like they did this. It's mm-hmm. it, it still holds up pretty well so far. There's there is one. There is one episode like that. Oh. Um we can talk about it more later. It's not in season two though. It's okay. not in season two. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you just want me to spoil spoil when it is? Cause... Is it from between seasons one through four? Yes. Is it pivotal to a season? No. Okay, then go ahead and share. Um, season three began airing in 2001. Um, and so they made a special episode to cover, to address 9-11. Oh. That is non-canon. It's also not good. Okay. Okay. But literally talking about the real world events in character or as people, like as actors. And, well, well, they're, they're, they, they are, they're doing a parable. They, they present, they present a play in with the West Wing characters about the values of 9/11, it's called Isaac and Ishmael. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The face you're making is right. Ugh. The best part, the best part about it is that they talk at the end. They have the characters, they have the actors introducing it, and um, everyone's like, okay, yeah, but 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 it's okay because in season three of the West Wing, you know, you're gonna get this, you're gonna get this, you're gonna get this, and it ends with 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 Janelle Maloney, who plays Donna, saying, "And I get a boyfriend." Oh my. <laughs> God, I can't, I can't <gasps> believe it. Um, you might be hearing the sounds of my producer, Dr. President, our new kitty, who wanted to join right here, which that means, <gasps> is it time to wrap up, Dr. President? Is that what you were trying to let me know? Um, yeah, any more thoughts you have, Alice, on the West Wing? I think I've shared everything that I have. Like, I, I just, it's, it's hard because everything else I'm going to say is just good, good stuff, good. Me like good stuff. Yeah, good show, good, good show. show. Good show, good um, show. I can't wait until you watch season two. Is really it? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. I didn't rewatch season one because because I, I do rem- I do remember a fair amount, but I'm really excited to. I'm gonna try to rewatch season two along with you because it's my favorite. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited. That sounds fantastic. Is that where we're going next on the Sorkin Street, Alice? Are we going right into season so. two? Let's do it. I'm excited. Season two. Here we go. I wanna see Donna. I want to see more Donna, 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 and Mrs. Langingham. Mm-hmm. And as you said, always say at the end of the show, we're five votes down. Daddy's got to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. <laughs>
I gotcha! Finally gotcha! Wait, I love that he's got to go to work. I know. How is that getting me? You're you're feeding me. Oh, fuck my face. It backfired. It backfired. I was trying to make you (laughs) sick of the bit because I got you with it. And it's only going to fuel you more? No. No. It only validates it? No. You're only making me stronger. All I'm saying is validate this election. Yeah. So as we always say to end the show... Are you telling me not only did you invent a secret plan to fight inflation, but now you don't support it?